welcome back to It's an Inside Job podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lim. Now, this podcast is dedicated to helping you to help yourself and others to become more mentally and emotionally resilient so you can be better at bouncing back from life's inevitable setbacks. Now, on It's an Inside Job, we decode the science and stories of resilience into practical advice, skills, and strategies that you can use to impact your life and those around you. Now, with that said, let's slip into the stream. Hello, folks. Welcome back to It's an Inside Job. I'm your host, Jason Lim. This week, we are going to jump on that mental plane down to Melbourne, Australia, where we are going to meet a brilliant, fantastic, and a vivacious man, Mustafa Humwi. Now, Mustafa has just recently released his third book, Slingshot. Now, it's centered around the concept of becoming a master of your destiny rather than the victim of your history. You know, the book provides practical tools and exercises to help readers let go of emotional baggage, eliminate self-limiting beliefs, and move past life's dramas. You know, this insightful book, it emphasizes learning from the past to rewrite one's story and mastering the mindset for success. The book targets those who feel stuck in their past and are looking for a way to release their negative emotional baggage and to focus on what matters to create a brighter future. And I've never met anyone who has not had some sort of hang-up in the past, where they cling on to the past. And maybe that's unconsciously, maybe it's consciously. They just can't make peace with a past experience. And it prevents them from moving forward. It, it, It throws up roadblocks and obstacles and pitfalls. So we can't progress in that part of our lives. And this book provides a methodology how to overcome those past sticky points just to let go, to uncling, and to move forward. Well, enough from me. Let's slip into the stream and meet the author of Slingshot, Mustafa Hamwi. Salutations, Mustafa. Welcome very much to the podcast. It's an inside job. I really appreciate your generosity of time and that we could make this work considering the time difference between Oslo and Melbourne. Thank you, Jason, for having me. Really excited to be on the show. I was wondering if we could kick off. Uh, Maybe you can introduce who you are and what you do. Sure. My my name is Mustafa, as you mentioned, and I'm an international best-selling author, speaker, and coach. Uh, and my topic of specialty uh, is around passion and uh, using people's mindset to master their destiny. And lately, you've just released your latest book as of December 2023, literally weeks ago, on uh, called Slingshot. Perhaps, I'm curious, maybe why the term Slingshot? Yeah, beautiful question, and it was a it was a last minute naming process. Funny when I write books, people I start with a name, but it's not usually the same name I end up publishing. The first one is a is a project name, but the analogy for this specific book, Slingshot, came from my own journey of uh, going through a struggle of trying to find answers for myself, going on my own personal growth journey, trying to find solutions. And at the beginning, I was in the in the coaching space. So I go to coaches and all the coaches usually go is, okay, it's about go, go, go mentality. Forget about, you know, anything else. Forget emotions, feelings. I mean, they acknowledge it a little bit, a little bit but it's about the go, go. You can push through anything. 
But I couldn't deny what was happening in my life and all the challenges. So I'd go and then something like something was pulling me back. Like I'd push, push, push. And then it's not a glass ceiling. I could break through a glass ceiling, but it was more of a, of an actual, like an invisible rubber band that's pulling me back. And I'm like, you know what? I can't deny this. I'm going to have to go digging into the past. Then I went into the healing space and the healing space is full of all of those kind of Let's dig deeper and deeper. And it's like peeling an onion or digging a hole. The deeper you dig, the deeper you go. And then you find another layer and then you find another layer. And that was a never ending story because I feel more broken by the end of the, the whatever I'm doing. And I come back for more. And the analogy here was suddenly it dawned on me that there's a, a an inherent challenge in the self-help industry hmm. is that it's focused on either or is very is very bipolar. And I started thinking, how about if I actually willingly take a step back to deal with some of my past issues that are impacting my present and then release my past so I can accelerate into the future with the second part of the book, which is the mindset mastery. And that's the slingshot analogy. It's about taking a step back, dealing with your past, but then letting go of it so you can accelerate into the future. I had the privilege of reading parts of the book and, you know, we're not talking just sort of business setbacks. We're talking some heavy setbacks such as, you know, you wrote about moving from Dubai to Melbourne. Uh, I think it was pre-COVID. And then you lost your father um, to, due to COVID complications as such. And then, was, then you had some idea, there were some troubles with your mom. She went through several uh, medical interventions or I think strokes or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And then obviously as a, uh, moving to Melbourne, not knowing anyone, then lockdowns hits. And as I read, Melbourne was pretty hard hit when it came to lockdowns. You know, there was the the loneliness and the isolation, I guess everything else that most of us felt, but this was kind of intense. So these things you're talking about are not just sort of business setbacks, as as important as those are and, and things, but these are these are heavy elements that would affect anybody's resilience, you know? And obviously this... To some extent, it was a wake-up call, and Slingshot was, I, I guess, your answer to that. Maybe not answer, but it was your uh, cathartic release towards all the heaviness that was in your life at that point. Yeah, thank, thank you for bringing all of that. And, and yeah, you're, you're on the point here. The reality is a lot of the material that I used in Slingshot were mm -hmm. researched over years and years, and a lot of them were part of my research for my very first book. So Slingshot is my third book. My mm -hmm. very first book, Live Passionately, a lot of the tools that I came up with were relate. I started discovering when I'm helping people go through passion discovery processes, there was a bit of a blockage because mm -hmm. there, there was one of two challenges. They either couldn't move forward because there was a lot of mental blockage against certain passions and I've had those experiences, and we'll talk, we can talk about that a bit later on the show. Yes. Um, and it's either stuck in the past, or once they discover their passion, fear kicks in and other challenges kicks in and they can't go. So the pieces of healing the past and mastering the mindset were there. Mm -hmm. And once I've had that, I thought, okay, I'm going to write this independent books about them. And then I fell into imposter syndrome myself. I'm like, well, who am I? You know, who am I to actually do this? And what, are, what am I doing? One book was already a lot of a big thing for me to achieve. And then I moved into Melbourne out of a divorce. So I had a, and as divorces go, they're rarely ever nice. So it was a, a rough year of separation into a divorce and looking for a fresh start. I just get on a plane and arrive to Melbourne and I landed here 20 March, 2020. 
So everybody remembers that beautiful month in, in the history of humanity, because this is when the pandemic really became a pandemic everywhere. Early Jan, Feb was still some countries. By March, it hit everywhere. And two days later, I landed in Melbourne and the prime minister was on TV announcing a full lockdown across the whole country. And I ended up coming out of a divorce into a new country, locked down by myself, no friends, no family. And because of the social distancing and all the lockdowns, I couldn't connect with anybody. And Melbourne, yes, had one of the toughest lockdowns. I think in the first year alone, separate from second year, we were locked down for over, out of 380 days, we were locked down for about 275 days or something. So you can imagine only small patches of barely some time to go out. So that was getting heavy on me. And on top of that, my father catches COVID when he was in Dubai. By the time I got exemption to leave Australia, I arrived there. He was in a coma and I haven't seen him. So I miss seeing my dad for a few years. Um, you can imagine the guilt that comes from that. Then I fly back to do, to Australia. And a few months later, my mom ends up getting a brain stroke. And at that time, I couldn't fly out because of my visa restriction or I'd lose my residency here. So there's a lot of pressure coming on me. And I really hit rock bottom. I think this was one of the toughest times of my life where I started doubting myself and everything I teach and everything I'm doing. I'm like, if I can't, if I can't help myself, what am I good in helping other people? And this, this voice in my head started going, practice what you preach, practice what you preach. And then I remembered I've got this material that was the basis of Slingshot. So I pulled all of those things, reworked them, refreshed them, and reorganized them in such a way where that was that penny drop for me of the, of the self-help industry challenge and put all of those together into the actual sequence that became Slingshot. So that's the reality of when it was started to pull it together. And yes, that helped me get out of it. And also there's an important factor here that that is not a one-time thing. There's a lot of people out there in the self-help industry try to promise, you know, everlasting transformation. There's nothing called everlasting transformation. It's just a process that I used once and I keep needing to use regularly for maintenance. I'd like to get into the process, but what I'd like to ask a lot of authors in writing the book, because obviously you have to take, you know, your past experience, your motion on you know, unfortunately, with the thing that went through your dad, your mom, uh, being isolated and all that we've spoken about, you know, and in the process, when I talk to authors, they have to translate, obviously, abstract thoughts and emotions into words. And it's, it is it is a very cathartic process for a lot of them. A lot of these things that have lined dormant for a while come to fruition. They come to the forefront of the mind. What did you learn about yourself, Mustafa, writing this book, Slingshot? Yeah, be beautiful question. And I want to add something here that will bring context to my answer. On top Please. of me being an, a multi-time best-selling author, I'm actually a publisher. So I've actually established and founded a company called Passionpreneur Publishing. Mm -hmm. To date of this interview, I've helped about 100, well, we helped about 130 plus authors from 32 nationalities uh, write and publish their books. So, and I'm very process oriented. So I believe people think creativity and writing is generally creative process. For me, nonfiction is not a creative process, actually an architectural process, which has a lot of engineering, has a lot of systems and processes like you do with a painting. You need a frame for the painting. Otherwise you're just scattered all over the place. So the process of writing a book for me has two elements of it. One element is definitely the, the cathartic element, which is you're just letting go and opening up. Mm -hmm. However, what I've learned from my books and from publishing other people's books, and that's really my specialty, is books that are just there to inspire are not enough. Because 
in today's world with the multimedia, with podcasts, with things like that, today this interview is probably going to you know inspire people and you've got this amazing show. You're having even more amazing guests than me regularly. So you are inspiring people all the time. But our role as, as coaches and you know people who are in the, in the thought leadership space is to inspire, inform, and instruct. So I like to also think, aside from the inspiration, which is only my story, and that is only one chapter, to is what I call a big picture chapter where I give a, a 30,000 foot view of a methodology or a concept. Mm-hmm. And that process is not really catharsis at all, for, not for me at least, because that is me thinking if I'm in a room with somebody, I'm doing one-to-one coaching with them. And that's where I tap into all my resources of coaching, speaking, therapy, healing. I've got all these modalities and things that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. And I, how can I use those tools without me being in front of that person if they're going to grab the book and go through it one by one by one? So that's actually very mentally draining for me to do that process. But it's very meditative because it forces me to really focus and put myself away from everything to produce that content. So it does serve me from a healing space. However, I'm not typically the person who believes writing is just about, you know, putting out everything from my head onto paper because that mm-hmm. becomes too much people for digest and benefit from. When it comes to your books, Slingshot, as you said, uh, self-help books can be very black and white night and day. What separates your book from other self-help books? Yeah, thank you. I'm very, I, I'll say my book was born from my own struggle also. So there's mm-hmm. multiple elements that makes my, my make my books unique, at least per my perspective and my mm-hmm. coaches and, and people that work with me is because of my own struggles of of going on an unfortunate journey, and we all know this industry is full of a lot of people like this. This is not to say it's all, but there's a, a decent chunk of people who are there that I, I call in my own term funnel marketers. People who have mastered the game of just putting a lead magnet with a funnel, with a funnel flow, and they can upsell you, cross-sell you, downsell you, JV mm. sell you. And, and unfortunately, in that space, there, there's a saying I always say, and I know I, I'll, I'll be hated for that, but the only one that makes money in a gold rush is a shovel company. And unfortunately, there's a lot, not everyone, but there's a lot of in the people that are at the forefront who have mastered the social media and digital game that are just shovel companies. They're not They're not offering real gold. The teaching game has shifted from being about teaching into being how can I gain more of the other side of the game. We need both in any business, but it should never shift away from the primary purpose, which is helping people. I've personally struggled from that early on in my career and before I got on the career, I was on my own search and it was painful to spend time and money. So the first primary purpose for me, anytime I'm producing and offering a workshop or a talk or, or a book, is measurable results. Can I give a clear, valuable, measurable result that I stand by, I put my I put my money where my mouth is. I can guarantee the results based on a system and a process. So the second thing is for me to be able to put that measurable result and say, okay, you're gonna start here, you're gonna baseline yourself, Two, you're going to have a clear process which you can run through systematically without me even needing to be there. Mm. And then by the end of it, you can measure again and see if you got that value and results. So then there's results and there's measurable results. A lot of them are immediate, so you'll feel the value yourself. And there is the process orientation there. So I'm very structured and systematic, so it's not theory. Mm. The challenge with theory books are not taking away any of the value they offer, However, we read them, we feel more intelligent, we feel elated, but no change happens on the ground. 
the change happens in the theory in our head. And that's why I like to be very systematic and methodical in what I offer. So I'd say anything I do, not only not only my books, my coaching, my workshops, my online programs, they all follow the same approach. Now, I think that's very important. When you read a book, it's, it's good to be informed, but it's also good to be able to operationalize where it's pragmatic and practical. And if, if there are measurable results, of course, that, that's an amazing thing, such as lifting weights or learning martial arts or language. You can see progress. And so there's, you have a number of concepts. One is overcoming path limitations and mastery of the mindset. Perhaps we could start with maybe overcoming path limitations and maybe you can speak a little to that. And what do you mean? Beautiful. So, so the first step in the, in the journey of, of this process is actually uh, healing your past. And the second step in the journey is mastering your mindset. So, and I do them in that sequence specifically because that was the way I've experienced this is you can try to go as far as you want into the future. If you've got that invisible elastic band that's tying you to past trauma, for the lack of a better word, I'm not a doctor, I'm just, you know, medical terms, not a medical term, but it is a traumatizing experience. Of course. If, you've, if you have those and they're in your subconscious, you're never going to be able to accelerate into the future. So we start by healing the past and then mindset mastery. And the easiest premise I can give slowly and we can dive deeper. Please. First step I will give you in the in the healing your past, all it is, it's about rewriting your story. So the first thing I get people to do, and I urge people who are listening to this, maybe pause the episode and you know start responding to what I'm saying, is uh, start by writing your story. Start by asking yourself, um, what is my story? Is my story, you know, I am like this because my parents were X, Y, Z, my family, my community, my nationality, my English, my whatever I'm living, my social conditioning, my money situation. We all have those stories that we've lived all our life mm -hmm. thinking and believing that they have defined who we are. Uh, and for a period, they might have been, but there's a point where we have to let go of that so we can accelerate into the future. So the biggest part of the healing is rewriting a story. So we start with, you write your story, then I run you through certain exercises, and then by the end of it, you write, rewrite your own story without my interference. I ask you the same question again, and you just go through it and go, hmm, actually now looking at it again, X, Y, Z, and you start changing things. Once the ground is clear, from the, that past holding, then we start working on mindset mastery, things that help people increase their self-belief, uh, increase their, you know, believe in the possibilities of the future, overcoming procrastination, seeing opportunities, becoming resourceful. And that's kind of the whole journey. So let me, so if I rewind, so you ask someone if some something's got them stuck in the past and they're clinging on to that and that's preventing them to move forward. You are asking them, write down the narrative, write down the story you're telling yourself, understand the elements. Because what I understand is when we do this, we actually understand the rules of the games that we have defined for ourselves, consciously or unconsciously. Because those rules back in the day, 10, 20, 30 years ago, may have served us, but those rules now may be serving against us. And what I understand what you're saying, Mustafa, is look at those rules. Are those rules working for you presently? We don't have to go diving into the past and bring up all the, the noise, maybe. But maybe it's understanding those limitations that you set up for yourself, redefining those, 
and then projecting that into the future to overcome procrastination or some level of anxiety depending upon something or whatever's holding yep. you back. Is that what I understand you are communicating? Beautifully summarized. Beautifully summarized. It's basically, it is exactly that. It's not about digging endlessly into the past. I'm not taking away the value of healing. I'm just compartmentalizing rather than shooting a beam light, I'm going laser. So if we're going to look into the past, let's look into the parts of the past. I'm not here to do full regressions and go back to every childhood trauma. I'm asking question if if your challenge for why you're coming to me or reading the book or taking my course is something specific. Let's look at what's relevant because think of it as like it's like beads. Once you grab the first one and take it out, the rest will start rolling away. So all you got to do is not go digging and all, just go to the root, look into that element, and then let's resolve that and then rewrite the story. Because it's that one degree of difference from going here. You make one degree and you put time span into it, huge difference into the future. So very well summarized. And so if we move on to, so once we've kind of got a hold on a narrative, once we redefine that narrative, then the idea, hopefully, it becomes a new default way of thinking. It becomes a habitual way of thinking. So how does someone from your uh, expertise create this new default narrative? You know, the old one will always be there. I mean, it's just it's just a habit of thinking, but it can go dormant in the mind. And sometimes it pops up, but then you realize, okay, that's the old narrative. It's not me. It's just my brain kicking up something. But how do you, Mustafa, get someone to create a more habitual way of thinking, this new healthy narrative that's serving them and not serving against them? So it becomes a habitual way of thinking, the default. I love your questions. And and I will the answer to that is the last chapter of okay. the book. Okay. Okay. And that last because that's the same conversation that I and that's why I said I go through the same journey as a user myself first. And I go, okay, I've reached the end. My Superman now, what's what's missing? And the simple answer here is keep brushing your teeth. There, there is no anybody, anybody, even if it's me, if I ever look you in the eye, I mean, there are times when you do certain deep work, but the reality is if anybody ever looks you in the eye and go, this is it, and that's the one thing you'll only ever need to do for the rest of your life, warning sign that a shovel company, they're not giving you real gold, Okay. You need to keep brushing your teeth. You you can go to the dentist and get a teeth whitening. If you don't brush your teeth daily, guess what's going to happen? It's going to build up over time and all of that is going to go away. It's the same with everything. Meditation, an important part and what I give in the book, I give a lot of bonus packs, stuff to give away. And one of them is an actual meditation. And for me, one of the biggest transformations in my life has been daily meditation, consistency with what you're doing. But you need a bit of both. You need the deep work. If you need a root canal, you got to do a root canal. If you need a whitening, you got to do a whitening. And you need daily maintenance and you need weekly maintenance and you need monthly maintenance. That's the books that you read, the courses that you take, the beautiful podcasts that you listen to. All of this needs to come together as an ecosystem. And that's why I'm very systematic because I don't only give the book. I give the book and I give a lot of downloadable bonuses. Things that you put on your screensaver, on your computer or on your phone. The, the image that you put on your phone could be a beautiful reminder of what, you know, something or inspirational quote that you want. The meditation that you do daily, inspirational posters that you can print and put around you. It's about creating an ecosystem and living that this is the only way you're going to get permanent, consistent change over time. So within your environment, what you're saying is to create physical reminders. That might be a post-it note where you pick up your car keys or your keyboard as you sit down to work. 
And it doesn't have anything, it doesn't have to be anything on that post-it note. It could just be that physical reminder. Go back to your story. Go back to your narrative. What are you telling yourself? So it's part of it kind of managing moments. Is it being able to be present? So if I feel I'm going to, I'm working on something and I'm overworking because I have imposter syndrome or something, and I see that stuck because of whatever past I have. And in the moment I have that physical reminder, maybe one of your reminders, like a, an inspirational poster or something that triggers me. I'm just trying to get nuts and bolts here. And so does that mean I have to look at my thoughts and, okay, what am I telling myself right now? And then I try to reflect it back to my narrative that I worked with you to establish or reading Slingshot, I've reworked it. And that becomes um, a, a, a reminder, a way of triggering that new habit. Is that what I understand yeah. you're saying? I, lo I love your question. And that actually is exactly the kind of a use case I have with the books that I create is mm. uh, the book is, is, is a, is a coherent meal, but because it's a system is built mm. like a puzzle all together, make a full picture, but also each piece has a use by itself. So every section has stages and every stage has exercises. You can choose to revert back to one of the sections. So let's mm -hmm. say at this stage, you've done the book, you're doing great. Two, three months later, life hits, you know, shit happens, what to do, that's life. Mm -hmm. Something happens that is not good in your life and you turn around and go, that has, I've been stuck in that story for a while. It happens to all of us, mm -hmm. it happens to me. And I, I'm so busy doing my own work, running the business, writing books, publishing, running workshops. I need my own maintenance. So I have coaches that are coaching me also and I'm, when I'm working with them, they go, oh, but listen, dude, you sound like you're stuck in your own story. I'm like, okay, good. Now let me go to the healing section. And in the healing section, there are parts which we can run through one by one. And I go, okay, am I looking at the part where I need to learn to appreciate what happened to me? Then I go to that section about appreciating my past. And then I could choose an exercise that works and I could redo only that exercise, or I could redo a whole chapter. Or I could redo the whole section. So yes, it is about taking the tools and understanding that these tools are just part of your, it's another arrow in your quiver. That's all I would think of is you just have extra tools from me and from other people. And you go, today, I feel like doing this part. It could be as simple when you're waiting for public transport, sitting by the beach in mm -hmm. an airport and just doing one of those worth a lot. Yeah. And so a lot of this is, is, is simplified, but the, it, within the simplification, it, there's a, a, a deep impact on how that can create this new narrative as you project yourself into the future, as you move into the future. I, I love it. I love what you said about the simple. There are two things I'd love to share here. Please. Albert Einstein says, genius is making things as simple as possible. And, and that's really the hard work for me is really how can I simplify things down to a point where you can really go laser sharp and go into what you want to deal with. Sometimes you need to do context work, but a lot of times it's really that specific screw that you need to tighten rather than try to re-engineer your whole life back into the challenges with an industry that might need people to fix too many things for the industry to keep rolling or parts of the industry to keep rolling. So try to focus on simplifying the question when you ask a simple question, you can find a simple answer and resolve that one element rather than try to restructure your whole life. And the other thing is the, the beauty and the downside of novelty. Every time I'm on stage, I'm like, I put my, I'm like, if you are here to learn something, you put your hands up. Everybody puts their hands up. 
I'm like, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm not going to share anything new, but I'm going to share what works. Are you interested in what's new or are you interested in what works? Because what I'm good at is showing you what works. And a lot of times you're going to go, but that's simple. It doesn't look novel. And I'm like, that's exactly what you need. You need the old school, simple, get it done, move with it rather than the shiny object syndrome where you go, oh, this looks like the new tool. That's a very infomercials mentality where you just want the new app cruncher and just getting a six pack, you just have to do the work and eat well. You can buy all the tools. If you don't use them, they're of no use. You know, I, I think it's 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 great to hear an author that's humble because, you know, all the work that most of us in the contemporary society is being built, is being built before us. We stand on the shoulders of greater men and women who've already established this. And a lot of this can come back down to some of the, what the Stoics did 2,000 years ago. I mean, it's not exactly, but of course, it's 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 evolved and such. But it comes back down to those those traditional ways of thinking that have served, you know, people well over centuries, if not millennia. And we come back, and and sometimes it needs to be repackaged in a way that is com- contemporary, that is relatable. But it, it 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 is just that it's not always the new shiny thing because you'll tire of that. What you need is the Maybe not always, we don't have to call it deep work, but transformational work, things that actually work, that have substance, that have depth, that have meaning. And as you said, are measurable, that are practical. There's a process along this road. And sometimes it's just as easy as saying, trust the process, trust the process. One of the great accolades that Mustafa has established is himself as an expert on the philosophy and the idea of passion. And he's been invited multiple times to talk to hundreds of people about the idea of passion. But then life, it happens, like it happens to all of us. We get knocked back down our heels, we get knocked down on our knees, and we find it hard to get up. And that past experience can weigh on us and hold us down. And although Mustafa is the guru of passion. At some point, he lost his passion and he had to rekindle it. He had to find it. And that required him to do the work, to find a way, to to find the discipline, the ownership and the responsibility to do that. And as a result, Slingshot was the book that he wrote. And that book was based on his, his own personal experiences, grounded in his personal stories. So in part one of this episode, we talked about confronting and releasing the past to propel ourselves into the future. Mustafa shared how the book reflects his own journey, underscoring the importance of healing from our history. The initial segment focuses on understanding and rewriting personal narratives, challenging the stories we've told ourselves about our upbringing, our environment, our experiences. He emphasizes the need for consistent daily reminders and building an ecosystem to support this new narrative until it becomes ingrained in our psyche, leading to a profound and sustained change in our lives. And that means we need to have the dedication and the ownership and the follow-up to rewrite that narrative, to find humility, to check our ego, and to actually look at what we are assigning. What is the meaning we are ascribing to a past situation? Have we at some level, unconsciously, become so enamored with that story we've told ourselves about a particular experience that has become such a part of our identity that we're not willing to give it up? Well, maybe we have to ask ourselves this question. 
Is that narrative, is that meaning, is that appraisal we've given to that past experience, is it still serving us or does it now serve against us? So now let's slip back into the stream, part two with my fantastic conversation with Mustafa. You, you talked about mastering mindset. Can you operationally define for us, from your perspective, what mindset means? Beautiful. Mindset is the way that uh, your internal narrative functions uh, and sets the scene for what you're going to do. So think of it this way. Your mindset impacts your behavior. And I'm simplifying it. The book explains it a lot more with visuals and everything. But Mm -hmm. your mindset impacts your behavior. Uh, Your thoughts, your mindset impacts your thoughts and your thoughts impacts your behavior. And your behavior impacts your actions. And actions impact results. And guess what results impact? Your mindset. That's the closed loop that happens. And I'll give you a great example for those that have been working during the, um, I'll say, you know, before the global financial crisis, and it could apply to the pandemic. Think before any major issue, economical meltdowns, pandemic, whatever, people were hitting their targets. They walk into the room. If you were in sales, you walk into the room going, dude, my target is a million. I've hit the million next year. Oh, 1.3 million. No problem. I'm getting my bonuses. Because you're operating from a mindset of achievement. Pandemic hit. Same person, same company, same meeting room. Three months later, try talking to them about their target. They're thinking, I can't even hit 10% of my target. Now, let's be realistic. The year hasn't finished yet. Hmm. We're still at the beginning of the pandemic and nobody knew where that was going. I can guarantee you, everybody was thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to make that money. We're not working. What's happening to the, including me, what's happening. I had the publishing business that was going to hit rock bottom. I was going to lose the whole business. I was sitting and scratching my head. Oh my God, what am I going to do? How can I fix it? Like I've spent years building this business going down the drain now. Hmm. And because most of my clients at that time were HR managers and they all lost their jobs. So I didn't know who to sell to. I had to do a mindset shift When I did the mindset shift into, hold on, I can achieve results. What do I need to do to achieve those results? Then my behavior changed. And when my behavior changed, my actions changed accordingly. And according to those actions, my results changed and my confidence increased. So I'm just giving case in hand example. I went from a situation where my publishing business kind of hit rock bottom and just go vanish. And I doubled my author portfolio in the first year of the pandemic. That till date, I've done better in that year than a lot of the pre- the years that came after that or before that. That was simply because of a small mindset shift that I did. So well, let me ask you. So we've talked about sort of narrative. We talked about mindset. And we talked about thinking. And some some listeners may be thinking, okay, What's the difference between a mindset and thought? Isn't a mindset a collection of thoughts that drive the mindset? Or is do you separate sort of operationally to define thinking or thoughts different from mindset? Because if mindset drives thought, which drives emotion, which drives behavior, which gives a positive or negative result and then feeds back into mindset, just to challenge you, what is the difference between the thought and a mindset? I love your questions. I mean, they're very deep thought, and obviously I haven't thought about that angle of the conversation before. Reality is 
mindset, if I would say mindset would be the ground that you're planting the thoughts in. That would be my intuitive answer to your question. Because if you have, think of it this way, and that's part of the reason why affirmations in principle don't work. Okay, if you do them alone, you are planting an affirmation, which is a beautiful thought, into a ground that has a negative mindset. Anybody who's in any sort of farming, even if you had a a proper house plant, you know, if you put the wrong seed in the the right seed in the wrong soil, it's not going to come out. There has to be a match. Mindset is that ground where you're planting those thoughts in. Of course, good thoughts make the ground that you're planting it better because now you have a forest of beautiful thoughts that feeds and then you have a whole ecosystem. Then the question becomes, well, what is feeding what? Is your mindset feeding your thoughts or your thoughts feeding that? It's a closed circle. It doesn't matter. As long as you've got a positive upward spiral, better than a negative downward spiral. So, so I would say mindset remains to be the foundation. Thoughts, a lot of positive thoughts can good a build a good mindset, but vice versa doesn't work. If you have a negative mindset, you can keep adding. It won't do the work unless you do deep work plus daily meditations. Over time, you change the the, the microbiome of your mindset, then sure. that would work. Yeah, because th- I think that's a that's a very clear picture for people to understand, to distinguish. Because, you know, that that earth, that soil you speak to, that is based on your experience. And if the experience you had from your past is one that you've written a negative story about, then obviously you're going to be, you know, positive affirmations or positive thoughts are not going to grow there. But I think what I hear you saying, Mustafa, is that if we reframe what has happened to us, for example, if something bad happened to us, but we ask ourselves, what did you learn from that experience? Just to keep it simple. Then obviously we pull something from that and that experience and by reframing it, we are changing the microorganisms in the soil. So then when we start the process of what you're saying, you know, uh, what did you say? Uh, overcoming the past, overcoming the past uh, limitations and mastering mindset. Obviously, by reframing the experience or <laughs> re-engineering the microorganisms in that soil, then it becomes a lot easier for flowers to come to fruition or thoughts and, and they don't always have to be positive thoughts they can be constructive thoughts because sometimes you're in a shitty situation any way you cut it's a shitty situation but you can have a constructive way of looking how do i how do i come through this i don't like the storm but how do i come through the storm and even then that soil produces thoughts that produce more constructive emotions that produce more reflective behavior or uh, constructive behavior. And that feeds a confidence loop. Is this kind of what I've captured what you're saying when it comes back down to your analogy of soil? hundred percent. And if you allow me here, I think it's very timely to, to actually break down the steps. Remember I said every stage, which is the healing has sub steps. I think that's a beautiful time segue for us to talk about that. I'm going to have, I'm going to verbatim quote them from the book because, as I mentioned, I'm very systematic. So I want to give the actual wording because there's a reason for every word I'm using there. So after writing your story, okay, which is what I said, change your story, change your life. That's a baseline of of healing your past. The, The next step after that is actually to appreciate your past, okay? That's a very interesting concept. That's really about honoring your struggles because they have served you. And the image that comes to mind here is... 
is basically wearing your scars like a badge of honor. Think of a lion that has a lot of those scars mm-hmm. on them. And, and, and it's beautiful image for us to remember that we're all living in, in a wild jungle of life and whatever it is that you live in, civilization, business, corporate world, there is wildness in the way life deals with us and we deal with life and we come out scarred. But those scars, if we let them define us negatively, then that is where the problem happens. But if we actually reframe that and go, hold on, this is actually something that I need to honor because it made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. When I look back at my story, I could tell you so many sob stories in the past. And when I reframed them, they made me who I am today. And this is where that whatever doesn't kill me, make me stronger comes handy. Once you've really appreciated that past element, you actually want to understand what is holding you back, okay? And there's a lot of that trying to prove something and you have nothing to prove to anybody but yourself. That's a journey, an inner journey. When we were kids, it's normal, you know? We go to mom and dad, mommy, daddy, look what I did. And then mommy and daddy go, oh, good boy, good girl, well done. Okay, but the reality is we're not children anymore, but we repeat and maintain those patterns of seeking approval. It goes from parents into school teachers, into university, into social circles, into our boss. Fine, they do serve us in, in certain healthy doses. And over time, we need we need to have you know our own agency. We need to have command over our own life. And that's really when we understand what is actually holding us back. That's the next step in the process. Once we clear that, as we go, hmm, Now that is really clear, the next step is to actually, you pulled back into the past, just let go. It's about releasing that negative emotional baggage. And why I say negative emotional baggage is because we are the ones that turn those emotions into baggage and we keep carrying through in our life. Something happened at that time was this, there is nothing to say that my father's a, a divorce followed by my father's passing away, followed by my whatever it is, none of that I can I can say it it was a beautiful experience. There's there's there is no there is value in what I got. There is value in it, but it's not a beautiful experience. So reframing doesn't mean putting makeup on it. I'm not the guy that likes that. I actually like you to look, I'm not a glass half full or glass half empty. I'm not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist. Hmm. A realist says the glass is half empty, half full, and how can I fill the empty? That's Hmm. my approach. So I really want to look at how can I let go of the emotional baggage of, oh, but I'm like this because I'm like this because of that. And when you let go of that and go, okay, this was not a mistake. A mistake is something, you fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice, shame on me. So the first one was a mistake. I learn from my mistake and I move on. Some mistakes we pay for more than others. You make a big mistake, you lose a million. You make a big mistake, you lose a body part. I've done so, I've injured myself so much. I do a lot of extreme sports. I have six damaged discs in my in my, in my spine. So those things, when you release the emotional trauma of, oh my God, I messed up my neck, skydiving, I'm a bad guy, blah, blah, fine. We do it, we deal with the emotions, let go and go, okay, what's the lesson for me? And then that's where the value comes to the next step, which is turning lessons into wisdom. So once you identify the lesson, you go, that's the wisdom that I live by moving forward. And then you go back and hold on. Let me look at the same exact story. Oh, my father passed away. I got a divorce. I moved to a new country. The outcome, I doubled, and this is the actual thing. I doubled my publishing business. I wrote two books during the pandemic launched my online author school, 
Yeah. And I've done X, Y, Z, done so many things in that period that I could have not achieved had I not been put in that corner. Mm. So that's kind of the summary of the whole, of the whole um, healing uh, stage. Yeah, and, and obviously, as you said, each book goes deep into the steps with the exercise to sort of cement and so crystallize it for the, the reader and such as they move forward. I think that whole idea of mindsets and the ability to release emotional baggage, a lot of people thinking, yeah, that sounds logical, but emotionally, they find that very hard to do. Just to challenge you on that bit, because it is a really brilliant process you've built that it's based on experience that you've tested yourself, that you've tested with your clients and such. If a person goes, okay, I get it. I rewrite my narrative. I learn the lessons, but you know what? I, I, I just, it's so hard for me to release the emotions. I can do it partially, but I, I feel it's almost like, as you said, a rubber band. It just sticks to me. It just won't let go. Is there some concrete, suggestions you can leave with my listeners about how do you release the emotional baggage even I, i've redefined it and i've reframed it and such but i it still it clings to me i love it i, I love your question and please do keep challenging me okay so i because that really where i acid test can i walk the talk okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you know the, the the saying that i share when i'm on stage i say the longest distance a leader has to walk is between their mouth and their feet so keep challenging me. Am I walking the talk and am I able to deliver on results? Because I stand by what I say I deliver Will results. Will do, brother. Will do. <laughs> and, and the thing is with that process, because it's a process, and that's why I said when I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote mm -hmm. it in sequence using the exact terminology. Please. Because I'm not talking theory here. I'm giving exact specific mm -hmm. steps that they need to be done in sequence, number one. Every step that I mentioned, you cannot skip to the next step because then you're trying to release when you're not mm -hmm. ready to release. First, there has to be the rewriting of the story, the writing of the story. Then the second thing there has to be, you know, the understanding. So I'm building awareness. Awareness is the first step in really resolving all of those unresolved emotions. If you just come now and do, I could get you to do an exercise, write your story, look at what's positive in it, rewrite it again. You know how many times I've done that myself? <laughs> it never worked. I've done fire rituals, written the letter, threw it there. One week later, I'm elated in the workshop that I go to. One week later, I'm back and worse, twice as depressed as I was before because I haven't gone deep enough. I mean, think, I'll use a, a dentist analogy. Okay. If a dentist realizes you, you, have a, you need a root canal, doing a filling is not going to work. So trying to do surface work is not going to work. You're going to have to go deep into that. And going deep into that is looking into the mirror. So three things I talk about in anything I do, whether it's coaching, workshops, my systems do not work for everybody. They do not work for people that don't have three things. Number one, courage and ownership. That is about looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself and brutally honest. Okay, so any question I ask, if you're actually going through the process and giving surface level answers, you're going to get surface level results. Next thing is humility, which is the ability to be willing to say, I need help and I'm willing to follow through the process, even if I'm not coaching one-to-one. -one. If, if you follow the process, that requires humility. Our ego comes in the way of our healing mm -hmm. because that is going to require us to acknowledge that we are the ones that made those decisions. Fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice, shame on me. If we've done the same thing over, so in the question about the story, I ask, for example, if your life was a movie, what genre would it be? And what's the title of that movie? And then you start analyzing what are the reoccurring themes. 
Now let's just do some normal analysis over here. If anybody gives you something, a, a reoccurring problem, okay, in in a in a process in a business, what do you look for to resolve it? Mm-hmm. You look for the repeated pattern. What is common? And guess what is the number one common thing in anybody's story? Is us. So the number one to if that requires humility, if you're mm-hmm. going to be able to look in the mirror and go, you know what, I'm actually that's on me. Courage, I'll own it brutally honest with myself humility i do need help and i'm willing and number three discipline they got to follow the process they got to do the work they got to do the meditations they got to do the exercises so if you can't release it one of the exercises in the book what's in it for you how does it serve you how did it how did it serve me i'll take an example how did it serve me to to have that sob story of oh my god i went through divorce and i went through my father passing away and i went through all of that i realized i was honestly burned out i've had a rough few years and i needed an excuse for a break a very tough dude i mean my you know my nickname at the early stage of my career was mr passion i'm the guy who became one of the world's top experts on the topic of passion 160 plus interviews with some of the world's top experts on one topic called passion how can i not demonstrate passion I needed I needed some sort of an excuse to go back and hide for a little bit and go listen dude I need self care mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it because my ego couldn't handle like I'm not su- what do you mean I'm not superman I'm Mr Passion everybody uses me as an example of passion so then how it served me to release the emotion first is how is it serving me to stay stuck where I am now I needed a break fine now that I know I need a break what that's ulterior motive yeah then how can i get that without needing to hold on to the story so i let go of the story and go you know what i'm gonna officially take off for another month or two Mm -hmm. i'm not working everybody knows i'm not working i'm not taking on coaching clients i'm not producing any new content publishing business fairly runs by itself i'm of the grid guys sorry tough luck if i lose if i lose a couple of deals i owe it to myself only then i can go back and release that emotion but you can't release an emotion if you have un you have not untangled the the story behind it and break it down. I learned a beautiful terminology in consulting. They call it decouple. Because sometimes you're trying to release something, but there's two elements. One you can release, one you cannot release. Another example of an exercise in the book is if somebody has done us harm, everybody had, had somebody who's hurt them. Okay? So let's play a little simulation game here. If there's somebody that has done you bad, has done you harm in whichever way, intentional or not, and you felt that you are still unable to let go of that or release them, do you have someone that comes to mind? You don't have to share the story. I'm sure everybody has one of those stories where you feel there's... Yes, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me ask you, don't you think that one of the main reasons you're unable to let go of that is because you feel if you let go of that, then you have let go of that person. And that is not fair. If that person did you bad, did you wrong, whatever, in whichever way, if you actually let go of that, you feel you're letting them go. That is one reason. And all of us innate as children want to be fair. We want, we want to see a fair world, which is a big struggle to looking around us and still trying to maintain a fair world. So deep inside us, we're trying to maintain a fair world, but then somebody does us wrong and we let go of that, then we've said it's okay. And that will make the world a very bad place if it's okay for people to do bad by others. However, if you make a realization and go, hold on, by me letting go, I'm releasing myself from the emotional baggage that I'm carrying, but by no means do I let them off the hook for that. 
And this is where I say to forgive and forget is stupid. Sorry if I insult anyone with this word, but to forgive and forget is stupid. It's a very sexy term to say on social media, forgive and forget. It sounds very cool to say it in a workshop. I'm sorry, dude. Anybody with with two ounces of IQ will never forget. Mm -hmm. Because if you forget, guess what happens? You repeat the same mistake again. And then we start beating ourselves up and going, oh, how come this keeps happening to me? Poor me. No, not poor you. It's on you. You got to own that. When, when you own it, then you go, okay, now I've learned my lesson. I will forgive, but I will not forget because I don't want to be in a place where I have to forgive such a bad doing again. The other second reason where people don't let go of emotional baggage, why they can't let go of the emotion is because they have invested a lot into that story. If I've built my whole life around the story, okay, if I've built my whole life of I am who I am today because I lost all my money and my father died and this and X, Y, Z, and I became this person, I became the inspirational speaker I am because I lost everything and I had to bounce back. And that's the only way I get on stage. And that's the only story I tell on stage. Hmm. It's, it's illogical for anybody to let go of a story that is the baseline of someone's success because that's the cornerstone of it. And when we relook at that investment that we made, and again, we decouple and we say, because that was somehow my story, uh, you know, early on, first book, the only story I had was talking about passion and talking mm -hmm. about how, how I lost everything. And I left Dubai and bought a one-way ticket to India. And over time, that was my only thing. Then over time, that became only one chapter in my book. But that became one book out of three books. So you can imagine that the, the investment that I have made in that became so small and irrelevant that even now, even in this interview, I have not brought anything about my history and story of how I got into this. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing I would talk about in an interview. Today, I don't. So really, if people are unable to release the emotions, it's one of the two. They're mm -hmm. either thinking, but if I release that, I will release the person or and or if I am invested into that, what does it mean when I let go of that whole story? What would I lose of who I am? And that's a big identity crisis. I think those are two major salient points because from my experience, to piggyback on what you've just said, this may sound counterintuitive to a lot of people, but the brain hangs on to things that we find pleasure in. It could be a twisted form of pleasure. Now, this is not for everybody, but I mean, a lot of the times we hang on to certain emotions because... As you said, it's, it's our narrative. It becomes part of our identity. We are so locked into the identity that if we give that up, then our brain's thinking we're giving up some sort of pleasure because, as you know, Mustafa, I mean, all human, the human operating system is based on two movements, moving forward or moving back, attracted or repelled. And a lot of us don't want to give up that. And that might be just very black and white terms here, this sense of victim, the sense of attention I get from telling this story, right? But if I give that up, then I lose that attention. So the principle, as twisted as it may be, the reason we hang on to anything from my experience is because it, at some level, it feeds us negatively or positively, but there is some sort of pleasure principle there. Now, as I said, it may be counterintuitive. And once we can come to accept that, what, am, what how does this actually feed me, right? Why am I clinging on to this narrative, as you said, or this identity? Once we can have that, as you, you so uh, astutely said, have that self-awareness, then that kind of that's part of that releasing as you're talking about the narrative, right? So I, I just wanted to breach that because I think that's a very important point because a lot of people get stuck in the mire right there. It's like, 
How do I let go of the emotions? Well, reframe, reappraise, do the deep work, as you said, right? I'm very appreciative of your time and I'm very respectful of your time, Mustafa. I was wondering, how can people reach out and get your book? Where Where is it available? Uh, yeah, the book is available on all major online stores, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, Kindle. Soon enough, Audible is not out yet. I'm, I'm still to record it, so that's going to come mm-hmm. out soon. But all major online bookstores. And also, I, as I said, I put my money where my mouth is. I've been blessed with a lot of amazing mentors throughout my history of, you know, being speaker coach. And until date, it's the generosity of those people that made me who I am today. And I also want to stand by the fact that, yes, we all need to make a living. But priority number one is serving because I believe serving is the new selling. So my priority is, of course, there's a business and I need to make a living as the next person. And my product is providing value to people's life. But I also want to lead with generosity and with genuine care and also support you in spreading the beautiful message of helping people. So if people go to my website, mustafa.com, M-O-U-S-T-A-F-A.com forward slash slingshot. So that's the name of the book, mustafa.com forward slash slingshot. They will go to a landing page. Uh, usually they would have to buy the book to download a lot of the tools that I mentioned. I am giving them the book away for free, uh, a copy, an e-copy of the book, plus both my previous books, uh, online meditation, um, um, the inspirational posters, anything that, you know, that, that are beneficial to the uh, people. And they just have to use the code Jason Lim. So as per the spelling of your show, and if they put that code there instead of the book code, because usually they have to buy and there's a code inside the book, they will get all of those bonuses for free. Well, that's very, very generous of you, Mustafa. I will be sure to include that link in the show notes. Um, as we come to the finishing line of this episode, unfortunately, maybe there'll be a part two. Uh, is there any last ideas or suggestions or recommendations or wisdom you'd like to impart to my listeners, to our listeners? Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, it's been it's been an amazing interview, and yeah, it's been an hour already. I think it flew by, and we barely scratched the surface. We could we, <laughs> we could easily get on uh, more with that, and yes, could could be a second one. But I'd say the the biggest thing to understand is you are not broken okay it's it's sometimes we all have been oversold to and overpromised and really be critical even of me or anybody that's trying to sell you something and ask valid questions do not act out of desperation remember the only one that makes money in a gold rush is a shovel company so make sure what you're buying is real gold not just a shovel that's promising you to dig out some gold in your life and If I leave you with one inspiring quote that I learned from interviewing 160 plus people talking about one topic, which is passion, Hmm. is that the fact that passionate people do not wait for life to happen to them, they happen to life. So I know just the fact that you're listening to Jason's show and amazing content that he brings, you are somebody who's mastering your destiny, mastering your mindset. Have the self-belief that you can do it. Follow on with the right quality, work, courage, humility, and discipline. Own up to it. Do the work, and you will get the results. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. So keep up the great work. Outstanding. Outstanding. I I really like that. Mustafa, thank you very much for the generosity of your time, for the, the, the extras that my listeners can download at your website. 
I very I learned a lot today, and that uh, that is always uh, a definite uh, sign that we've had a great great conversation. So thank you very much, Mustafa. Thank you for the amazing interview and for challenging me and, and putting me on the spot. I like that. Thank you very much. <laughs> always, always. Have a great day. I'm going to try my best to sort of summarize this whole conversation. But this is the type of conversation that many of you will probably want to rewind and replay at certain parts. Those parts that will serve you the best. You know, when we look at the practical insights on personal development resilience, well, the book Slingshot kind of touches all of those points. You know, the book reminds us that understanding our past and reframing our experience is crucial for growth. It encourages a mindset shift. You know, it allows us to see challenges as opportunities for improvement, to think about areas in your own life where changing your perspective could lead to a positive and dramatic change in some cases. Now, the book, well, it highlights the importance of self-awareness, humility, and discipline, effort, and personal development. Now, I want you as listeners to consider how these principles can be applied in your daily life to build resilience and achieve your goals, to reflect on the narratives you hold and how altering them could unlock new paths to success and fulfillment, or just simply getting past those roadblocks from our past that hold us back, that prevent us from moving forward. And Mustafa, he had the courage and the vulnerability to share his own story, And that is no easy ride for anyone to experience what he experienced. And Mustafa's been so very generous. So you can pick up a lot of these freebies, the e-books and meditations, his other books, following the link that I will provide in the show notes. Mustafa, personal thank you from me to you. I am very grateful and privileged to have spent an hour with you to talk shop, to talk ideas that really resonate with me and I learned a lot as I've said so thank you very much for your generosity and sharing your wisdom and experience it is some this will be a podcast or this episode is something I'll be listening to again and again so thank you very much well folks slingshot is just about one of three books that Mustafa has written and of course I will leave those links to those books in the show notes as well as all his social media contact information and his website well folks we are crossing the finishing line of yet another episode I appreciate your time I appreciate you allowing me to be part of your week and until the next time we meet keep well keep strong and we'll speak soon